I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. My intention is that you listen to the stories of these MVP guests and are inspired to become an MVP and bring value to the world through your skills. If you have not checked it out already, I do a YouTube series called How to Become an MVP. The link is in the show notes. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from the Netherlands. He works at a company called InSpark as a consultant. He received his first MVP award in 2021. Uh, he's interested in all kinds of tech, um, not just uh, the area he specializes in. You can find in the show notes for this episode links to his LinkedIn, Twitter, his website, so you can see all the material that he's doing if you want to connect with him and follow along. Welcome to the show, Django. Hi, Mark. Thank you. Very happy to, jo- to join you. Yeah, well, early morning for you, late in the uh, afternoon, evening for me. Um, I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show. I watched a bit of your video. I seen you've um you've you've done some presentations at Scottish Summit in 2021, and you're just telling me you've uh, done a few more events uh, more recently. Before I jump into uh, to your story, tell me a bit about uh, what you do when you're not working. What's like you know what what do you do that uh, passes the time that is entertaining that you enjoy. <laughs> yes, I have a I have a seven year old daughter and a five year old son. So those uh, those are my uh, hand tying occupations at the moment <laughs> when I'm not working. Yeah, but uh, but mostly it's it's uh, it's the cliche things like uh, I love going out for dinner with my wife and my friends. Uh, I watch movies, all kind of movies, uh, a lot. So the going to the movies, uh, watching them at home. Uh, binging some Netflix or Amazon uh, series. So those are the, the kind of things. And since COVID, I have made like a promise to myself that when I'm, uh, the hours that I'm not in traffic right now, because I'm working from home a lot, is that I uh, should be spending at the gym. So I'm uh, at the moment, I'm trying to get in shape or more. Nice, nice, nice. Is it working? Yeah, um, I'm losing some weight, so that's always good. <laughs> and I'm getting in shape more, so that's uh, I cannot complain. My, uh, I, you know, I've done lots of gym memberships and stuff in my lifetime. I've had some very expensive gym memberships. You know how that, you know, you buy for a year and you go two or three times, and that means those two or three times are very expensive. But um, I'm also losing uh, a bit of weight at the moment, and my method is intermittent fasting. So I only eat between four in the afternoon and eight o'clock at night. And then I don't eat any other uh, at all, only water in the uh, in between times. And that's that's working good. Really good. Re- like it's the best I've done. It. I'm on four months now um, of doing it and it's, it's working really well. Because I saw this thing on TikTok, right? The authority on everything TikTok is. And this guy, you know, was really buff on there. And he was like, listen, if you, if you work out and you exercise because you want to lose weight, 
He said, you're wasting your time because it only deals with, you know, your gym and workout only deals with the last 5% of getting you like toned and ripped and stuff like that. Everything else is diet up to that point. So yeah, what you're eating. So yeah, it's definitely. I agree. That one TikTok impacted my thinking and that's what started me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. I also had a lot of other colleagues who uh, the intermittent fasting worked for them also as well. So uh, yeah, it's something to... Uh, to definitely consider. I also um, realized that changing my way of eating uh, is is the best impact. Just like you are saying, I just love eating too much, <laughs> good food, and 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 um, yeah, occasional dining. Those are the things that uh, that keep me going. So uh, I just need to find that balance. Yeah. What I like about this is that I can eat anything I want in that four hour window, and it has uh, I still lose weight. I can drink, I can, you know, have the beer. I like, I like lots of spirits. Um, and, um, and I still have, uh, I still lose weight every week. It keeps dropping, dropping, dropping. So I like that. It doesn't restrict me from eating anything in particular. Um, so yeah. And I just, there's this app called, um, zero Z E R O on, um, on, on, um, on iPhone. And, um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, and allows you to do this. And there's a lot of research and stuff now around intermittent fasting. And because and, for a long time, people were like, you know, oh, you shouldn't do it because it's, you know, starving yourself. You're starving. That can't be good for you. Um, but I, I read this other book by this doctor, and he was saying that um, the reason why most medical professionals don't talk about it is there's no money to be made in fasting. You are reducing the <laughs> amount of food intake. You don't need any supplements. It's it's not good for anybody that wants to sell you something. And I thought yeah, that was yeah, funny. I yeah, I understand. Anyhow, the show's not about me. It's about you. Um, so tell us, tell us, how did how what was your journey into technology and ultimately into Microsoft Biz Apps? Yes. So um, basically, just like a lot of my fellow business applications MVP, is that they're none of the traditional hardcore ideas, just like myself. Um, I can barely spell HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, JS. So um, so my journey was mainly that of um, first getting to know one of the Microsoft products when I was like a project manager on Lean Six Sigma and operational excellence. So I was improving business processes from a business perspective. Um, and then the first um, application that I came into contact with was, I think, SharePoint 2007. And that was, of course, maybe only the document collaboration aspects of uh, project work. So I had a project team. I wanted to share some documents. And then the next question came from, hey, Django, you are pretty familiar with SharePoint 2007. How can we um, use more functionalities um, of SharePoint? And then, of course, task management became one of those things. And then from SharePoint 2007, I became familiar with SharePoint 2010, one of the migration projects that I was uh, able to do based on my project management work that I did with the company, a big insurance company uh, at the time. And then they said, um, yeah, you're pretty familiar with IT and the aspects of IT, maybe you can do like a part-time uh, functional management of this application. Uh, so I did that a few years. And um, then 
I also had to manage, of course, those external suppliers, those SharePoint consultants. And I had some bad experiences with them in, in the sense that I, I was always thinking from, Hey, maybe I can do this better than this SharePoint consultant. And then someone challenged me from, Hey, come work with us. Uh, so I took that challenge and that was in 2012, I think that I became a SharePoint consultant and. Yeah, whenever you start being a SharePoint consultant, um, you get familiar with more of the Microsoft stack. And then, of course, the cloud became a big thing. Uh, and Office 365 and SharePoint Online. And then uh, then I, I, I used applications like InfoPath and SharePoint Designer. And, and then, of course, the SharePoint Online migrations of InfoPath to... Um, yeah, Power Apps was one of the first things that I started the Power Platform with, and it has hooked me ever since. So, are you just in Power Apps, or are you in Power Automate? Are you in Power BI? Are you using the whole Power, you know, virtual agents? Or yeah, it's it's mainly the whole Power Platform, but especially with in Spark, we have a specialized uh, data and AI team. So. The Power BI part is when it's especially the low-code, no-code functionalities of the, the reporting, we incorporate it in a Power App or in a Power Automate flow. But the focus is especially on Power Apps and Power Automate. Um, and of course, Power Virtual Agents has become our third focus as well. Are you doing anything in uh, Power App portals? Yes, definitely. Yes. So um, at the moment, it's like this uh, little brother of the Power Apps uh, uh, family. And um, yeah, we're very excited to see uh, the build, what will be re released then, because I think a lot of focus on Power Apps portals has been there in the past, uh, especially since it was, of course, uh, maybe a Dynamics product, uh, looking at the history of Power Apps portals. So um, yeah, we have a very big customer at the moment where we're launching like a uh, a global uh, portal for uh, for an inspection company. So uh, very excited about uh, that. Even if I'm not a dynamics consultant traditionally, there's a lot of overlap, of course, when uh, looking at the power platform and dynamics. How have you found that journey with, you know, um, with SharePoint coming into, you know, ultimately data being stored in SharePoint, SharePoint lists and things, and now you have got dataverse which uh you know provides a different like set of landscapes and of course microsoft's choice is to get as many of our customers onto dataverse because um not just because but the revenue models for microsoft are obviously more advantageous right um uh, but you can do so much more um or so it's, it's a powerful tool um horses for courses so to speak what what's been that journey for you though coming from where you know the the center of your universe was sharepoint and and infopath was the way that you got forms data into it and of course microsoft deprecated infopath because of you know too much too much hassle to rebuild the mobility piece and now we have power apps and and everything that comes with that what what's been that what's that journey been for you yeah, so that's that's a very very good question because um, coming from the SharePoint side of the Microsoft stack and starting with Office three sixty five and Microsoft Teams, um, and then we rolled into the Power Platform. 
um, especially within your local user groups where we have this mix of uh, power platform consultants coming from what they call the dark side, the Office 365 and the Dynamics consultants, is that the general consensus from the Dynamics consultants are SharePoint is not a database. <laughs> so don't use it like that. Um, from my point of view with our customers, it's not that black or white. SharePoint can still be a good place to store data. Uh, you just need to know the limitations. Um, and when you reach those limitations, um, then a customer, when you explain it well enough, is often willing to pay those additional licensing. And I think one of my fellow MVPs, uh, Louise Fries from Germany, said it very, very accurately last month during the Power Platform Conference, um, is that, that when a business application is not saving you like an average price of Starbucks coffee a month, which is like the average power per app license at the moment, then why are you bothering with it at all? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So that's a very, very, yeah, a very striking uh, consideration. Mm, 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 mm. I like it. I like it. What, what do you, what do you see as the, the future of where low code, no codes going what do you see as the kind of the gaps that we need to jump across to ultimately get to a future state? And and like and I have in mind like Satya, um, you know, quoted some data some uh, a couple of years ago now from IDC, which is that uh, five hundred million apps need to be built, and there's just not enough developers out there to actually achieve that um, based on the IDC research, and so. Where do you see we are now on the, you know, theoretically the curve ahead to to get those apps kind of built? Where do you think we are? Yeah, definitely. I think it was that that quote that said uh, in the coming five years, there will be more business apps built than uh, in the 40 past years combined. And based on that research, there is, of course, a big shortage of developers when you look at it from that point of view. So that's where I think that the future of business applications is with the citizen developer. And the citizen developer could then be anyone within your organization, as long as they know how to use things like PowerPoint, Word, and Excel, which most of the current laptop uh, owners often do. Um, so I think that's where the future is. And then when looking at the current focus for some of the product developments within the Power Platform is that AI-supported citizen development. So there is this Power Apps IDs functionality where you say, hey, I have this data source, and in this data source, I'm going to talk to Power Apps, and I'm going to say in, in regular business terminology what I want to see, and then Power Apps come up, comes up with the real development code of that request. And... I expect there will be a lot of more functionalities like that, even maybe in Power Automate, where you say, I want to automate this part of my process, and then it, it gives you an, um, a template flow or an already configured flow based on your data source. I think those are the first steps needed because the feedback that I get from my customers is that it's a very steep learning curve. Mm, 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 mm. Um, even though it's low-code, no-code, when you really want to do the things needed at the moment, maybe to, to meet some certain business complexity, um, yeah, the learning curve is often too steep. And then it's easy to hire a party like InSpark with some people with experience. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I, as, as Microsoft have said, with low code, there'll always be a demand for developers. And I feel with even uh, companies more and more building their own team, there'll always be a demand for partners that have done many, many projects that can come in and kind of, you know, scaffold the, the company to a whole new level. Um, because of the expertise, you know, that we have. So yeah, that's that's um that's interesting. What are you using things like PowerFX and in, in, in a lot of the stuff you're doing these days? Yes, especially of course within the PowerF studio. Then PowerFX is like the, the main development language I mean the power platform. And I hope to see PowerFX more in maybe portals. Um hopefully also in Power Automate. And um yeah, I think once it's in those two main products, um, hopefully also in, in Dataverse maybe, when configuring, for instance, uh, columns in, in, your, in the database. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, of course, the open source uh, initiation, uh, initiative where you can use PowerFX in your own build applications. So if you're like a hardcore developer, which I am not, but if I were, then I would definitely check that out to see if I could incorporate PowerFX in maybe my custom build application. Yeah, nice. Tell me, uh, uh, Django, about your your journey to MVP. How did that come about? Yes, so so Inspark is um, in the Netherlands, uh, one of the main partners of Microsoft. And I think at the moment when I joined Inspark, they had already like uh, eight MVPs on a workforce of about hundred people. Um, so considering the fact that Power Platform was relatively new, the business application part, uh, if you're not a dynamics partner, was maybe not an, a specialization of MVP hood that was top of mind with Inspark. Um, but basically Inspark encouraged me to follow that path because they saw the big advantages from my fellow MVPs within the company. Um, and it was also triggering me there because the first session that I once attended as a SharePoint consultant was of a fellow MVP and he inspired me a lot at that time. And um, that uh, combined with the encouragement of Inspark triggered me to go for it. Um, So just like any um, (laughs) uh, person with MVP ambition, you start investigating what is needed, what is required, and then you see all these big names um, being an MVP. So first, it seems like uh, out of reach. I can never achieve that status. Um, But then you just go for it. It's like every big journey starts with one step. So then I started blogging about topics that I um, discovered or, um, yeah, I encountered, how do you say? That I would, I don't want to say bugs and issues. Let's call them challenges within the Microsoft stack. So I started uh, blogging about those. And then um, um, from that moment on, I did my first application. Uh, that was already within one year of my uh, community activities. So just like any good uh, <laughs> MVP assessment, I got uh, hardly rejected. Uh, how'd you say? <laughs> I fell flat on my face. Um, <laughs> so that's, that was good because that confirmed my, uh, view on being an MVP is really about, um, having that intrinsic motivation about sharing with the community. So then I stepped up from, uh, only blogging to, uh, also attending community events and presenting about, 
topics and organize, organizing some uh, events within the Netherlands. So um, then in my second application, about two and a half years later, then I was uh, welcomed into the MVP fair. So that was very cool. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If you like the show and want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. Thanks again and see you next time.